Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. What a week. Last week was busy. This week is busier. We head into the NFL draft, but we got a whole lot of stuff in all major sports. And to give us a very unique debut perspective is the Reuters West Coast sports correspondent, Rory Carroll. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on the show. As we said, you're on the West Coast. The Warriors on the West Coast, you know, they're winning, but they're almost coachless. So tell us what you know. And our whole theme today is how important superstars are and how important events are. With the Warriors, superstars on the court, but Steve Kerr is a superstar off the court. What do you know about his his coaching issues and his illness? Right. So uh, out here in the Bay Area, we're still in shock over the news that Steve Kerr is you know, out currently during the playoffs with this back injury that kept him out of over 40 games of last season. No one was saw this coming, you know, during the playoffs. It was a very su- surprising announcement uh, that he's out indefinitely. There's, uh, you know, rumors circulating as to whether he'll be back in time for the finals, should they make it, as expected. So, but right now, the... Uh, Mike Brown is filling in for him, uh, and Steve Kerr is sidelined with this back injury. It all started in the 2015 Championship Series when he leapt out of his seat, which he's prone to do during games. He's a passionate coach, and hurt his back. Didn't seem like a big deal, but it nagged at him, so surgery followed. Uh, So did enormous pain and uh, raging headaches, which seems to be one of the major issues with him just... Uh, being able to focus on the games and kept them out. Not a good thing if you're a, if you're a coach and you want to get up a lot. So how important is Steve Kerr to the brand of the Warriors? Forget the X's and O's for a minute. Let's talk about the business brand. Yeah, um, I, I mean, Steve Kerr is a beloved figure here because of, you know, in his first year as a coach, he uh, won a title uh, in 2015 for for the Warriors, who had been among the worst franchises in the NBA for very long stretches of time. So he's a, he's a beloved figure, but there's also the question as to whether or not you know how badly he's needed on the court. When last season they went, I believe, 40 and two under Luke Walton when uh, Kerr was sidelined. There's a lot of leadership on this team. They've got Steph Curry, of course, two-time MVP, Draymond Green, who is uh, becoming an, an icon known for his you know, feisty skills, uh, his very talkative mouth on the, uh, on the court. Um, of course, Kevin Durant and Klay uh, Thompson. So there's a lot of killer shooters. There's a bunch of great team chemistry um the question though is whether or not once they get into tougher competition and and matchups become so critical especially if they're up against lebron and the cavaliers in the finals for the third consecutive year which most are predicting will indeed be the case can they overcome it without without their coach which they uh will need badly during those crunch times late in games uh, drawing up plays, out-of-bounds plays in close games, 
it remains to be seen, but everyone here is definitely hoping that he'll be back before, before that happens. Well, you know, we could all understand that illness takes somebody out, but if you're a superstar, you can also, especially women's tennis, get pregnant. Uh, Serena Williams, unquestionably women's greatest player of all time. Leaving the WTA, everybody says temporarily, to give birth to her first child sometime this fall. It leaves a tigeresque void in the sport. What do you think about this from your perspective? Well, it's uh, another surprising development uh, with a major star uh, kind of came out of nowhere that this, even though she's engaged, no one really saw this coming. It was surprising, too, uh, came out today that that initial post that sent headlines around the world where she uh, had a selfie with her baby bump was an accidental post. Um, so, uh, so a more polished post came out later, but uh, the initial release uh, was, was an accident, she said. And it gives us Victoria Azarenka, who had a baby, who may now be coming back. She was ranked number one uh, for a while. Maria Sharapova, uh, coincidentally, returning after her doping suspension. Will they be enough to fill the void, or do we need Serena to come back for the future of women's tennis? Yeah, well, Serena is an irreplaceable icon of the game. She's said today also that she does intend to return after the baby's born. Um but it is leaves a wide open uh, spot for Sharapova. The timing for her is very good. That's a someone she had a very difficult time ever matching up against, and she's returning and um, presumably has a lot to prove. So you got illness, you got pregnancy, and then you got, I'm tired, let me just get out of the sport. So Dale Earnhardt Jr., another icon, walks away from NASCAR. What say you about that? Well, and yes, again, another irreplaceable icon of a sport, uh, another surprising development. People did not predict this to happen uh, as quickly as it did. Um, in in NASCAR has been reeling with uh, you know uh, viewership on TV has been down forty five percent over the last decade. Uh, sponsorships have changed from Sprint to Monster Energy Drink at a discount for Monster to get in. So uh, there, uh, NASCAR is badly in need of some new fresh blood and some big personalities to replace Dale Earnhardt Jr. Well, yeah, but uh, you know him retiring doesn't actually help get those personalities. So who? Who looks like the next person to step up, in your opinion? Oh, uh, there's a couple bright spots on the horizon here. Um, uh, Dale himself mentioned uh, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott yesterday as examples of racers with great personalities, um, very good with social media, savvy young guys, extremely talented drivers, um, but still far from household names. So they're going to need to get... Uh, a lot of publicity coming their way if they're going to break through. The the importance, by the way, common issue here is that everybody wants kids and minorities to enter their sports. Golf may have a new way of doing it. Nickelodeon announcing a presence at the players in two weeks. The part of the Mackenzie Noel Wilson Foundation Kids Zone, SpongeBob SquarePants Mini Golf Challenge, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a Putski. It'll be a big deal to get kids into the sport. What do you think of this? Good idea? Uh, sure. I, I, I don't see any harm in doing so. I'm not sure it will actually make a difference. Uh, but uh, I do understand that golf really needs to get away from its old white male image if it's going to exist going forward and in, in, in grow the sport.
Tiger Woods was the Pied Piper 20 years ago of bringing the sport to an entirely new dimension. He will be missed, but this is an interesting way to bring to a mega event. And then, finally, last, the mega event that confirms the NFL never sleeps. The draft this weekend, Philadelphia, 3,000-seat theater, but 25 times that, 168,000 fans walking around outside near the Rocky statue, taking it in, and the draft not only coming from Chicago for a couple of years, but going to Philly, maybe Jacksonville, L.A., Dallas, Denver, Kansas City, Green Bay, Canton, Detroit, a lot of other cities. The draft becomes a circus musical chairs roadshow like the Pro Bowl and like the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, it's amazing. They can turn any uh, what used to be just a very formal event of uh, into big spectacles. They don't want to miss an opportunity to make some money, and this is another example of that, it seems to me. But I got to say, of all the things going on in sports, I just don't find that the most compelling. Uh, you know, It's hard for me to get too excited over, over drafts. You know, the interesting segue here, by the way, is that We've got interesting people focusing on draft technology. Chris Collinsworth, we all know him as a sportscaster for NBC, and he played for the Bengals for eight seasons during the 80s, All-American College Career, University of Florida. But he led the acquisition of Pro Football Focus, a pro football performance data and technology company in 2015, and he's a majority owner and CEO. And he has won many Emmys for NBC, Showtime, and the NFL Network, but more important to the interview we did with him at the MIT Summit Conference uh, six weeks ago is that he has talked about football analytics on the heels of the draft. Thanks, Rory Carroll, for joining us. We'll sure have you back. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Chris Collinsworth, the businessman, carries the day. We're here at the Sloan MIT Analytics. It is winding down. The interesting thing about our next guest is that he has a business of his own, but a lot of people may not know it. So I bet you he's not deluged with the ongoing stream of resumes that everybody comes out of the woodwork to do. I suspect it's just autographs, Chris Collinsworth. Is it autographs and resumes or what? I can't wait to get resumes from this crowd. Yeah. Uh, I, believe this crowd me, is a great. big part of the reason that I came. Yeah. Uh, we have a five-person full IT team. We're trying to get the 10. So where else would you rather be? Come here and try well, and let's, recruit. So let's talk about the we very quickly because we could always talk about Bengals in the NFL and University of Florida. It's pro football focus. You bought the company a couple of years ago. Yep. Talk about where the company's been and where it's going. Well, at one time when I bought it, I think we had affiliations with 13 of the National Football League teams. We just came back from the Combine, and we have 25 currently. I think there's a very good chance that we land this year somewhere between 28 and 30 teams. I was completely blown away by the fact that now at the Combine, there are all these 25 to 35-year-old young people that have never played football, that have never worn a helmet, many of whom are women, that are now having real decision-making influence over game plans, over rosters, over salary cap, and it's all about data, it's all about analytics, it's all about these young kids that are coming out of places like MIT and Harvard and yeah. Princeton that are not afraid of the numbers. Good thing, bad thing, by the way. I think it's a great thing. I, I, I you know, I, I now go into the week and Pro Football Focus gives me a bunch of data on the right. two teams that we're gonna do. And about 80% of it, I go, yeah, 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 yeah I knew. Right. 
about 20% of it, I love being wrong on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. I don't like being wrong on Sunday night. Right. And so when these young people that have broken down every single play of every single game, it has been overseen by a coach, it has been presented in such a manner that it's easily digestible, and that 20% is where I end up spending my time during the week because I didn't know that. Yeah. And somebody who has never played the game of football was able to teach me that through analytics. Is there, and I'll say it in a complimentary way, is there an appropriate balance in football decision-making today between the geeks and the old line guys? Yes. Okay. But I think that there's movement. Um, it used to be everybody was like, if you didn't play the game, you don't yeah, know what you're talking right. about, right? And a lot of those coaches are no longer yeah, around. Yeah, right. And we're seeing the 31-year-old head coaches now yeah. that are, I mean, they were born with technology in their hand. They know how to manipulate numbers. They're not afraid of what analytics will tell them. And they want it. They expect it. They're getting it in college. We have 15 major college teams that, yeah. that get our service. So they've been brought up in a way that the players of my generation weren't. And I'm of the opinion, either adapt or die, you know? So yeah. I'm adapting, <laughs> I'm all in. But probably wrong guy to ask since he owns an analytic company, but can you go too far with that? Absolutely. Okay. Well, especially on, because it's still football. It's still a fist fight out there, right? Yeah. And there are some people that have these big hearts that when it's the most desperate of times, the Tom Brady's of the world, okay. the Michael Jordan's of the world, you can't put analytics around yeah. that. You know, it is still a game played by human beings that in the toughest of situations have to deliver, have to overcome their own nerves, and there's no analytics to build around that. How do you determine that? How do you assess the size of a guy's heart? I wish I knew. <laughs> I, I would be the greatest draft guru in all the world. And a coach, by the way. And, and a, a coach. GM. And a coach. I know it when I see it. Right. But unfortunately, I'm not there on draft day. But it is, there, there's a great, wonderful balance that is opening up the world of football to people now that, that are at this conference, that are wide-eyed, that are always, baseball was the first one to get there, and now all the other sports are following suit. We're not going to do the who's going to win the Super Bowl and what a game last year. That's for 98% of the other people. Let's talk about Chris Collinsworth, the businessman. So your University of Florida education, you've always been a business guy. You feel like the purchase of the company gives you business satisfaction. What's next? Growing the company, scaling it? What's next with the company? Well, we had 80 employees when I bought it. We have over 300 now. I think 350 now at this point. We're probably going much higher than that. Uh, I have some incredible partners that know a lot more about business than I do. I do have an accounting degree. I have a law degree. Yeah. So I have a little bit of background. I can speak a little bit of the language. But just like in football, I think you're always looking for expertise. Yeah. Um, I have Dave Calhoun at Blackstone is one of our investors. Of Jack Cassidy, who ran yeah. Cincinnati Bell, is one of our investors. I have some people that I have the utmost respect for. And if you're smart, you're always looking for somebody who's smarter than you are to help you with right. some of those big decisions. And I think I'm at least smart enough to do that. Well, you know, as someone else who has a law degree and realizes that a law degree only opens the door, doesn't kick it in, and it certainly doesn't guarantee success, which is another bit of advice, how do you deal with the 
entrepreneurial opportunities and yet make some decisions in your life where you know what you want to do and get there and not do too much and not make the wrong decisions business-wise. Yeah, I always wanted to be involved in some business. But I didn't want to go open a McDonald's because I don't know anything about running a restaurant. I didn't want to go into right. some manufacturing because I don't know anything about that. So when this opportunity came along and it was a chance to enhance what I was already doing right. and do what I was doing better and have a chance to dream of, if I had a chance to run NFL Network, what would I do? Right. How would I do it? If I had a fantasy product, how would I sell it? And that to me is, I, I, I don't work. I don't work. Yeah. I get out of bed every day and yeah. I can't wait to get started on whatever the project of the day may be. And when your vocation and avocation are the same thing, right? Life is pretty fun. Yeah, and, and there's a very interesting piece of that too. And how do you consciously every day kind of juggle the, the media exposure, the media opportunities that you've been blessed with and do, and obviously help promote your business? It's subtle, it's appropriate, and it's seamless, and it evolves. Comes from well, I think uh, data analytics is in the news yeah, right now, clearly. whether it's political coverage, whether it's finance, whether yeah. it's are we going to raise the interest rates, you know, it's all about crunching numbers. And, you know, I went through a lot of math classes to get through business yeah. school, but I am wowed by some of the young people that I'm around now. I am wowed by them. Yeah. I, I look at what they're doing and what they're creating. You know, the NGS is the next big thing yeah. where they put these computer chips on the shoulder pads of the players and all this data comes spitting out. But what are you going to do with it? Yeah. How is it relevant? How are you going to make money off of it? How are you going to make your team better? And in all of those ways, it is exciting. You know, every day is uh, there's something new and creative going on in the world of football. And I think there's been as much change in the last four or five years as there has been maybe in the last 25 before that, because this old era of trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, certainly the Bill Belichicks of the world, when they're out there, you're going to go, okay, Bill, you know, if, you. if a numbers are going opposite of Bill Belichick, I'm still going for Bill Belichick. But what is that 20% that even Bill Belichick's going to go, let me think about that for right. a minute. I hadn't really thought about it in that way. Well, that 20% for Bill Belichick is probably 60% for the rest of the human race. I think I that's suspect, about right. I, I think right. that's about right. So for the Boston fans who are involved in this as well, you're an analytics guy, you're a management guy, you're a student of success as well. What off the field makes the Patriots so great and how do they sustain their excellence? I think they do the same thing year after year with the same coaches. The fact that they're able to hold on to their two coordinators yeah. blows me away. Yeah. You know, but you go down to the level of detail. I mean, the fact that Dante Scarnecchia sat out a year, comes back as the yeah. offensive line coach, and you see the difference. Yeah. You know, there, it, there's a human element to all this as well. But the fact that Bill Belichick is able to put a system in place and they draft that system year after year, they coach to that system year after year, and you look around the league at all the teams that every third year are switching from a 3-4 to a 4-3 that are going from a passing offense to a mobile quarterback. How are they ever going to compete with the guy that's doing the same thing day after day, grinding through, has never lost his worth, work ethic. That's a tough that's a tough thing to overcome. Some people have come really close. I don't think you look at the New England Patriots and say, 
that is the most talented football team I've ever seen yeah, in my sure. life. Right? I just don't think yeah. you do that. Yeah. I think you look at them and you go, those guys collectively are so much better than what they are individually. And to me, that is really fun to watch. Is it the system that's the solution? We talked about offensive defensive coordinators, but the interchangeable players, is, is it a character issue? Is it a combination? It's versatility and it's intelligence. Because no matter how smart Bill Belichick is or Josh McDaniels or Matt Patricia, no matter how smart they are, if the guys can't do it, I mean, the, every coach that, that goes against them says, we don't even worry about what was on film last week because we ain't going to see that. Yeah. You know, it's like a new game plan every week. Well, that's great as long as your guys can understand it and your guys can adapt and make those sort of changes. But think about going into a Super Bowl with a game plan that you haven't been doing. So that takes all those off-season days of work. It has to become second nature. And when Tom Brady can get in the huddle and go, oh, you guys remember back in 2012 when yeah, we played right. Buffalo we in the second half when we made this? Uh, Aren't uh, many people can do that. And everybody responds to that, too. So final issue, and we're going to put a shameless plug in for, for Kraft Analytics. It also helps Jessica Gelman, the guys that run this conference, are affiliated with a Kraft-related company. So now we know we take this dangerous, unbelievable organization and armed with data that nobody else has. Uh, should we even bother showing up for next season? I think they're going to do okay. <laughs> uh, somehow I have a feeling they're going to do okay without me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Great, great to see you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. I'm Rick Harrow. The producer of the show, Alex Cohen. Associate producer, Bethel Hobte. Assistance provided by Tanner Simpkins and Carlos Waddick and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso.